Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to our week seven college football on Fox preview brought to you by Wendy's. I'm RJ Young. He's Jeff Schwartz. Jeff, as always, how was the Wendy's? It was good. The Nuggets were spicy today, too. Ooh, they were spicy. Uh, but, dude, my favorite part is my son answers the door uh, when it shows up, and he, like, cannot wait to, like, rip in that mango lemonade. He is so pumped by it. So, uh, very, it was very nice to say the fries, dude, so they were crispy even though they travel. It's very important. Engineer fries that, that travel well. Uh, good job, Wendy. Hey, man, no, uh, Wendy's fries are something to go out of the way to go get. They're that good. I, I don't really i didn't know how much i enjoy the spicy chicken nuggets until i started to experience the spicy chicken nuggets so we're both off on a very good start to our tuesday evenings and we're heading into what i think is going to be a fascinating awesome week seven of college football we have i think six ranked matchups this week and none bigger for us than number 10 penn state at number five Michigan, this is the Big yes. Noon game for which Big Noon will be on site in Ann Arbor, as will I, by the way. That's I'm looking forward to that. For me, Jeff, this comes down to can the running backs cancel each other out? Nick Singleton is a phenomenal freshman at Penn State. Blake Corum is in the Heisman race as uh, he's up to, I think, 735 yards rushing. But then again, it comes that down to that. It might be about quarterback play. And J.J. McCarthy's the more talented guy to Sean Clifford. How do you see it playing out? Wait, so your big new kickoff is going to be there. You're going to be there, and I'm not. Oh, I'm, I'm, I, invite me next time, RJ. I'll come down to to watch a, a quality a quality contest. Um, look, here's the deal. I went and looked this up. So James Franklin has been the coach since 2014. Do you know how many times he's won on the road against a ranked opponent? I think we're in zero. One. I think it was like okay. Northwestern, okay. like eight years ago, something like that. Like they just don't really win these games. I feel like they're a little bit of a talent deficit compared to Michigan, especially kind of the, the important you know parts of your team. Yes, the offense played much better against Auburn, but the offense really it's it's tough for them to generate enough yards and explosive plays, I think, to keep up with Michigan, who just dude, Michigan is a grinder team, right? Like they're one of those teams that we see, and I think every weekend, we're like, oh, it's kind of close. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, it's 31 10. They just grind on you and grind on you and grind you. Eventually, they pop those supposed plays. I just don't know if Penn State has enough offensively as far as the ability to generate big explosive plays. It's hard in college football to win games when your offense doesn't do that. Like, it, it, like the NFL sustained drives, part of the NFL. It's not that much part of college football. And that's what I worry about for Penn State in this game. I'm with you in as far as uh, big game James looking to lose that moniker against Michigan. But I'm also interested in what explosive plays are going to look like in this game. Blake Corum has this really great ability to take a short yardage play and turn it into an explosive play, if not a touchdown. Based on what you said, they're really good at grinding teams down. And that's what Jim Harbaugh wants to do. But they have yes. an X factor like they've never had before in J.J. McCarthy. It's not just a dude that can spin it. It's a guy that can outrun people chasing him. Former five-star prospect yeah. right there from the Illinois area. I think he gives them a little bit more moxie and an edge. Like, this is the difference between, I believe, Kelly Bryant at Clemson, right, and Trevor Lawrence at Clemson. Yeah. Cade McNamara at Michigan, J.J. McCarthy at Michigan. Now, that said, and I know he's got Kojones Johnson, he's got uh, Ronnie Bell, he's got outstanding players to help him, yeah. like Roman Wilson, but Sean Clifford, as Parker Washington out there, Mitchell Tinsley's an outstanding wide receiver, and they might, might get Keandre Lambert-Smith back this week. 
I don't know, man. For me, it's, it feels like it could be, if we're talking about canceling out Nick Singleton, Blake Corum, we're talking about perhaps Sean Clifford playing on the level of J.J. McCarthy, that they could end up being matched up with the secondaries. And not for nothing, but yeah. Penn State's got like 11 takeaways in the last three games. Now, they haven't played nobody, right? Because I don't consider Auburn anybody. And we could talk about that in a different way. But what I'm getting <laughs> at here, the question that I wanted to ask, what are we going to learn from this game? Like, if anything, do we believe that the winner of this game can beat Ohio State? No, not yet. Like that, I think that's it, it, you know the winner of this game obviously is in the driver's seat to play them and and have an opportunity to win that game. But yeah, I, I'm not sure that much what happened in this game will make me change my opinion about where Ohio State is and the trajectory of uh, of Ohio State. You mentioned you know the the skill position players for Penn State and the and the opportunity for Clifford. My concern though is like when when I watch Michigan, I feel like in these big games they do a good job of scheming up ways to get their players into space, right? Reverses, screens, deep play action passes. I'm not sure when I watch Penn State, they have the same mindset of like finding ways to get their their guys in the space with an ability to use that speed to get by defense. Like I trust Harbaugh will have a plan, at least offensively, to 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 let his guys have some freedom on the field. I don't think Penn State quite does that quite the same. I think they're going to struggle more to move the ball. I don't think they want to, quite honestly. And I think Jim Harbaugh has had been had had to be talked into that first with Johnny Gaddis last it's year. Work, yeah, and it's work. You have to like that's the reason why they are successful now. Is the reason why they they won the conference last year. Like again, you you have to have the ability, in my opinion, in college football to have explosive plays. You you can have an offense that runs great. I get it, but if, if you're asking college kids to have ten to twelve plays in a row where they don't mess up, like nothing weird happens. It's called like, you need to have the ability to score in three plays. Like that's part of being successful, in my opinion, on offense in this, in this sport. Well, he's been successful in allowing Blake Corum to do that for him. But also again, they're not reinventing the wheel in most cases. They're doing swing passes to Roman Wilson. And he's just taking it 60 yards or they're going over the, the top to Ronnie Bell for 11 catches in a game that was once tied yeah, against. But, well, part of those swing passes though, are against man coverage and like they allows them to get their blockers one-on-one they know if it's man coverage i gotta block one guy and my guys like they just do a good job of scheming that up in that system i feel like that is an offensive lineman there i want to put a hat yeah. on a hat and i want to go beat somebody up that's what i want see right there knew exactly where he's going let's go from that game to another matchup of not just top 25 opponents not just top 10 opponents but undefeated opponents number three alabama Travels to number six, Tennessee. And for the first time since I graduated high school, literally 2006, I believe Tennessee has an opportunity to end their 15-game losing streak against Alabama and their losing streak against Nick Saban at Rocky Top this weekend. What do you think? I I think they do win this game. Mm-hmm. Um, they being is, Tennessee. They being Tennessee. Is, is Young playing? I mean, I think he is going to play, right? Like, he's not going to be 100% healthy, but I think he probably plays. Yeah, he probably plays. Um I feel like Tennessee is kind of setting up, you know, been setting this up for a while now, right? And, um, you know, last season, was it the Georgia game or Alabama? And they started pretty fast in that game, too, but just kind of didn't have the players. I feel like they're just better this season. And the tempo they play at, it's also just harder to play on the road. We've seen Alabama really, and they're really one. I guess Arkansas was a big road game that they kind of blew out Arkansas early on. But against Texas, they, they just didn't. Now they're on the road at Rocky Top. I just feel like Tennessee's offense, man, like they got something going this year. Uh, they play fast, they play physical, they get the ball in space. It's really hard to defend them because 
they stretch defenses out so wide, right? They have all those guys that line up outside the numbers, and it's just hard for defenses to say, look, are we going to stop the run or stop the screen pass? If not, where's the ball going? I feel like Tennessee is kind of primed for this right now, especially if Bryce Young is not 100%. That Bama offense, man, they're trying to kind of still find their way. Look, it's very hard to just lose pros each year and replace them with pros again, even if you recruit very well, right? You're not going to hit on every single five-star going to the NFL. I feel like Bama, both offensive line and at wide receiver, RJ, it's just at some point, you're just not going to be as good. And that's fine. It's not an indictment on Nick Saban. They're still very good, but they're just like not as good an offense this season. I think Tennessee can take advantage of all of this and pull off the upset. Alabama's a more talented football team yeah. than Tennessee. Full stop. Okay. The difference is Tennessee has been much better at taking care of the ball and it hasn't been as undisciplined. Like that was, that's the shock for me about Alabama this year. It's not necessarily that they aren't as talented as they have been in years past. It's that there are more opportunities for them to put the ball on the floor and they are really beating themselves up with penalties. I saw this against uh, Texas on the 40 acres and they just haven't got around that. Now Jalen Milrow is a different kind of quarterback than Bryce Young. And I'll grant that. I'll also grant that Bryce Young is the reigning Heisman winner. But he yeah. looked mortal against Texas A&M last year, against Texas this year, uh, against Auburn last year. And I'm not so certain that he is the X factor that puts you over the top. He makes the offense go and is clearly clearly built, clearly built to accentuate his skill set. That said, Hendon Hooker hasn't thrown an interception since November 13th, 2021 against the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah. So if it's about playing clean football and taking your shots when you have them, I think they're going to have an opportunity to do that now. I thought it was interesting you bring up the wide splits that they have for the wide receivers. This is a holdover from the Art Browse era of Baylor that we saw Josh Heupel adopt at Mizzou, take to Central Florida, and put to great use at Tennessee. But what that also does is give you a really clean look at the box. And if we think we got the numbers, we're just going to hand the ball to Jabari Small, and we're going to go as fast as we possibly can and try to catch you out of alignment. And frankly, they haven't always been great at getting aligned. It's when you slow down. You let Nick Saban call a defense that you're in trouble. Yes. And the one downside for this offense that I always worry about in these games is if you have two straight three and outs, your defense on the field. Yes. Yes. Any, any offense that goes super fast, but Tennessee is the best example of this right right now. Like if you have a couple three and outs in a row, RJ, your defense is gassed. Like they are gassed and they are tired. I mean, we saw this, you know, so many years with, with uh with chip kelly at oregon and, and him in the nfl as well like you they go fast i get it but if you if you have three and outs you will regret it you will lose the game because your defense will be too tired to play a full 60 minutes so that is my only concern about tennessee is that if they get are able to assume if alabama is able to slow them down then um tennessee's defense is gonna be in for a long game well, the way that you slow them down is you get those three and outs, but also you run the football. And Jameer Gibbs is awesome back there. Like, he's a dark horse to win the Heisman Trophy for me for what he has been meant to them. He's as pivotal to their success this year as Jamison Williams was last year. That said, Jace McClellan put the ball on the ground. Not sure that Jameer Gibbs is, has the best handles. For that matter, neither does Roy Dell Williams. And we've seen if you can harass Bryce Young, you can get after him. So I'm with you in as far as this offense does not allow for what we call complimentary football, right? You're not taking care yeah. of the defense, running the offense that Tennessee is. Even if you do it well, you're probably going to score very quickly and put your defense yeah. back out there. So you put more of an emphasis on being slender 
and fast and in shape so you can play that many snaps for the defense, but you give up a lot trying to run the uh, yes. the run against a team like Alabama. So I will be interested to see how that one goes too. One note to go out on in this game. It's the first time since 1998 that both Alabama and Tennessee have been ranked inside the top 10 at the time awesome. they played the game. And the last time that happened, Tennessee won the national championship. Just laying that one out there for you. Also on uh, our docket here, number seven, USC. At number 20, Utah, Rice-Eccles. This is the game that you had to tell me, again, last week. It's going on at Rice-Eccles because I mistakenly thought it was going out to Coliseum. How do you see this one playing out? Yeah, th- this fairy tale run of USC is over in Salt Lake City. Sorry, Trojan fans. Um, yeah, that, it, I know some of our bosses are Trojan. I, I don't care. It, it, it's going down this weekend. Um, it's like the fa- I've been looking forward to this game all year. Um Utah's a favorite, and they just lost UCLA this past weekend. I don't think uh, a Pac-12 school really, I don't think anyone has, has won at, at, at Utah since 2018. Here's why I think it's a, a really tough matchup for uh, for for USC. Guys, they've had luck. It's okay to have luck. Like, you make your own luck, right? They're plus 15 in turnover margin. RJ, in six games so far this season, they have recovered every single fumble on the field, whether they fumbled the ball or the other team has fumbled the ball. That's nearly impossible to happen. Guess what? All that ends on the road in in Salt Lake City. Nothing well. I watched Oregon last season go into Salt Lake City and get their butts whooped. Nothing good happened in Salt Lake City. They allowed almost 200 yards rushing to Washington State last weekend. Utah will rush for 200 yards in this game. We saw USC's offense start to take a little bit of a dip, guys. Caleb Williams was completing 74% of passes his first three weeks. It's down to 56 now, the last three games against conference opponents. They have not been as crisp on offense. Their offensive line is struggling a little bit to protect him, and they just have not scored as many points. Look, 17 points as Oregon State, 30 last weekend against Wazoo. I kind of think all this, this magic that's happening so far kind of ends. I do worry about Utah scoring points. They, they have had a problem without Brent Keithy in there. Utah's de- excuse me, USC's defensive line is much better than I thought it would be this season. So they do get some pressure. They do harass quarterbacks. But I think Utah's just built for this game. They're at home again. They're off an embarrassing loss to UCLA. I think they have everything in 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 the making to, to win this game. They're favored by three. Uh, I like Utah a lot. I'm going to push back and say the most embarrassing loss they suffered this year was to Florida and not to an undefeated UCLA. I'm just going mean, to throw that out there. I'm gonna they give were that. down 41 to 24 in the fourth quarter against UCLA. I mean, like it's a good football team. they're a good football team, but they did things that they, they, again, red zone offense is a problem for them. Um, like they had one-on-one matchups, Clark Phillips and Jake Bobo, Bobo won those matchups, like the things that they're supposed to be good at. They weren't good at it in this game. Tackling was bad again. But USC, we're see, this is what teams are doing to USC. They're doing what you watch Oklahoma for so many years, right? What do defenses do to Oklahoma? To run the ball, fine. Just run the ball all you want. Just we're not giving up explosive pass plays, right? Like that's what Oregon State's done. Washington State has done. Utah's doing the same thing. Utah's best part of their defense is their secondary. They're going to say, look, man, just run the ball all you want. We don't trust. And Lincoln Riley has mentioned this this year that he is he sometimes gets away from the run too early, like they're going to say USC run the ball as many times as you want. We're just not going to allow explosive pass plays. I'm going to put on my for real analyst hat here and say some really nice things about USC Lincoln Riley, Alex Grinch, and what they're able to do and what they're not able to do. Okay, first way I'm going to go about this is frankly I know the coaching staff. All right. Um, very familiar with what Lincoln Riley is good at, what he's not good at, what Alex Grinch is good at, what he's not good at, and what they want to do 
offensively and defensively. Offensively, they want to control the tempo. They do want to run the football, and maybe he does get away from it a bit early, but that's because he's got a Bolitnikoff Award winner on the outside. Yeah, He's got a five-star guy that's in the conversation being a Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback. That's one. So if I got to get Jordan Adams or uh, Jordan Addison head up against Clark Phillips, I'll take that, and I'll take what I can get, okay? Number two on that, Alex Grinch does not necessarily care to stop the run. What he cares about is tackles for loss and turnovers. This is a man who once commissioned a master's level paper to find out how many turnovers it would take for the football team to be good. Came up with, if the defense creates 20 takeaways in this season, no matter what the offense does, they're going to win nine games or more. So he's not really looking to do anything other than what you stressed. We're going to want the ball on the floor and we want to go get it. So if Tavion Thomas can hold on to the football, that's awesome for Utah. They can go win the game that way. But if you want to make it about Cam Rising against Caleb Williams, I'll put it to you this way. Lincoln Riley recruited Cam Rising to Oklahoma and had him committed there for a good while, which is another way of saying he knows what he's good at and knows what he's not. Tavion Thomas also was recruited to Oklahoma, a guy that they probably know what he's good at and know what he's not. I'm going to say that I'm going to give USC the benefit of the doubt here, number one, because they've shown every game this year they'll win the game. And if we're talking about winning games, that's what they do. Yeah. And if you go down to Rice Eccles and you can beat up on a Utah team that, to your words, is coming off of an embarrassing loss, I think that ought to count for something and then some. Like, it, and in a year one? Uh, uh, it, look. Yeah, but we, it, it, yeah, if they win, we'll talk next week about it. But I don't think they win this game. So I'm not sure that's something you have to worry about. Look, um, it, we, we, we've seen – look, we've seen this season – how hard it is for good teams to play on the road, right? I mean, just I, I look, look even out west, right? Look what Washington has done the last two weeks on the road. Just falling straight apart. Utah on the road this season. Florida, UCLA, falling straight apart. UC, uh, USC's one road game this year. They won by three on the road against Corvallis. I'm not counting Stanford. as That was a home game. They have more fans at, at, at that game than, than, uh, than, uh, than Stanford did. It's hard to play on the road, especially when you don't do it very often. Like I think that's a big part here. They they kind of lost control at times against Oregon State with false starts, with delay games. They used all their timeouts early in the first and third quarter. Like I think this is going to be a problem for them going to right cycles. They haven't experienced that all season long. Well, in no time like the present. I'm really fascinated to see who comes out with the win in this game because Utah can obviously play themselves back into the Pac-12 championship game conversation, and yeah. USC is who many people expect to be the first team since Washington 2017 to make it into the college football playoff. But to do that, going to have to run the table, going to have to win the big, uh, the big, the Pac-12 championship. Next game oh, on the slate. You got ahead of yourself there, didn't you? You got ahead well, of yourself I always get there. Ahead of, well, look, yeah, look, I, 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 you know where I live. I live where number eight Oklahoma State is going <laughs> to travel to Dallas-Fort Worth, take on the Texas Christian Horn Frogs. Number 13, Texas Christian Horn Frogs, undefeated. Texas yeah. Christian Horn Fox against the undefeated Oklahoma State Cowboys. Look, I was doing, doing the math on this one, okay? Uh, number one, nobody thought this was going to be a game for Big 12 supremacy in October. Not, not no one. Anybody that says yeah. so is lying to you. Other thing is, we're going to get a mid-2000s Big 12 game, Jeff. <laughs> Look, OSU's averaging 45 points a game. TCU's averaging 46 points a game. Both yeah. teams putting up damn near 500 yards of offense and both have quarterbacks that can cook your brisket, Okay. I'm excited because both those dudes are gunslingers. Sonny Dykes wants every bit of Mike Gundy. Mike Gundy yep. wants every, every bit of Sonny Dykes. What are you most excited about in this game? 
who can get more stops on defense, mm. right? Like that, that to me is what matters. And right now, Oklahoma State, I think, has that advantage. You look at what they can do with their defensive line. They're sixth in the country and have a great TCU's offensive line um, is good, but not great. I think that's a good opportunity for Oklahoma State to really hamper this offense by getting after their offensive line. Like that to me is, is the big difference. This game, Oklahoma State defensively is just far better. And um, if you have two good offenses, which you do here, two potent offenses, you have to look at, at those auxiliary factors, right? I mean, points per drive favors Oklahoma State. Uh, the, the ability to wreak havoc favors Oklahoma State in this spot. And so that's why I think they ever so slightly can, can, can get this done because they have a slight edge in those categories on defense that will translate well to this TCU team. Man, I'm excited. I'm excited because the Oklahoma State's offense Great. looks like the Kansas City Chiefs of old. They got a bunch of short, fast black dudes on the outside, and they got a dude that can spin it to them. <laughs> we got Braden's, we got Braylon's, we got Brennan's. We are going to absolutely come after. We got Jaden Nixon's returning uh, uh, kickoffs for touchdowns. And then on the other side, we got Joe Gillespie. I'm very familiar with Joe Gillespie, right? Defensive coordinator at my alma University, Tulsa, turns out the Bednarik Award winner. In my man, Zayvon Collins from Hominy, Oklahoma, playing with the Arizona Cardinals. Look here. I got to know Joe Gillespie the first time. I said, what are you looking for from, you know, outside linebackers in this quality defense that you run? Hey, RJ, I need a couple of guys that can line up at foot nine. I need a couple of guys that can uh, understand the hook and the flat. And I need some guys that are going to get in the backfield, put somebody on the keister, all right? That's what I want. And you can see it on the sideline. He has that defense fired up. They're not as sound as Derek Mason's Oklahoma State defense. But again... You didn't have much at, uh, or said you didn't have much. Yeah. He didn't have much to go on at Oklahoma State, but I like to think that Gary Patterson left the cupboard somewhat full for Joe Gillespie to do what he's doing down yeah. there. Very excited to see how this goes. Um, let's get to another Big 12 game. This one I'm kind of, I'm kind of afraid of, but not really. You know, I'm saying that number 19 Kansas at Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma's a nine, eight and a half point favorite going into this into this one. We don't expect Jalen Daniels to play in this game. He's had a separated shoulder uh, in the very close contest against Texas Christian last week. Conflicting reports, him being one of them saying, hey, uh, I, news to me that I'm going to be out for the season. But for this game, we expect to see Jason Bean be the starter. And he's done that before. And he acquitted himself well last week. I think 262 through the air, four TDs and a pick in an outstanding game against an outstanding Texas Christian team. And then, Oklahoma looking to stave off its first four-game losing streak since 1996. Jeff, I was nine the last time that happened. And I make this point. Yeah, I haven't experienced a losing season since I was 11 years old. And yet, this might be the first time I got to look at a program called Oklahoma yeah. that might start the season three and four. What do you think it needs to go on for Kansas to win this game or for Oklahoma to win this game? Well, I'm looking at some numbers right now. They, the numbers I see project Oklahoma to win by 31 points. That feels like that's a little high. Um, I don't, maybe, maybe last year's Kansas team. I'm look, I, I think obviously the backup quarterback situation is is a concern, right? I mean, no matter how many times you've done it before, having a backup quarterback, especially when you've done so well with Daniel so far this year, right? They've been the big story. Your game day, they're like all these things that kind of have gone in your way and you lose your quarterback. How do you come out the next week on the road? I believe they're on the road, right? Yeah, they're on the road um, after the game there. I feel like this is a very – and, again, college football, you have to talk about the emotions of the players. This feels like an emotional letdown spot for Kansas, right? Again, game day, you host a game day, you lose that game, the quarterback's out, and now you travel to a wounded Oklahoma team who I'd imagine you think throughout the week – I've been in this spot before. You think like, yeah, like, all right, we'll be fine. 
Oklahoma stinks. Like, we'll make it work. But Oklahoma, I, I don't think is that bad, RJ. I, I get they've sucked lately. The scores aren't great. But the coaching staff will figure it out. This is my opinion. I think that the panic of Oklahoma is way too premature. Um, and now you're getting a backup Kansas quarterback. I think this is a spot where Oklahoma can sort of get right. Is, is Dylan Gabriel playing yet? That's part of it. I mean, it's Tuesday. It's hard to tell. If he plays, I feel better about their offense, of course. I mean, they showed nothing last weekend against Texas. They are holding cards close to the vest on who the starting quarterback is going to be, but it is definitely a different team when Dylan Gabriel is not the guy. Uh, yeah, going out think on- it, it's hard. But, but this idea that like one or two teams have a backup quarterback they put in and, and they're good, like Clemson or Alabama, like that's it. Ohio State maybe, right? Like this idea that because one or two teams, most teams have terrible backup quarterbacks. That's why they're the backup. Like it's it's hard to win with backup quarterbacks in any level. Like this idea that like. Yeah, Oklahoma stunk because their backup quarterback stink. What a surprise. Like, they brought in Gabriel for a reason. They had no one on the roster that could be a starting quarterback for them. Uh, I mean, you got a point, but I'm used to having backup quarterbacks named Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, you know, the like. But that's another discussion that we can have. Uh, <laughs> but I want to get to our fan question uh, for tonight. Submitted by one Fran Silva. Thank you, ma'am. If you had to put all your money on one team to make the CFP, that'd be college football playoff, who would it be? Uh, Jeff, please do me the honor of going first. Um, I will go with the Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, their schedule, Iowa, I mean, Iowa, if they score three points, I'd be excited. At Penn State, Northwestern, Indiana, Maryland, Michigan, Michigan at home, I mean, in a, in a big revenge spot. I think it's Ohio State. Even if they lose to Penn State, I guess that could technically knock them out of the Big Ten title game. Probably not. Um, I, I think that they they probably run the table and get in. I feel most comfortable. Georgia is it, man. Georgia's kind of had some warts recently. I think Georgia can certainly run the table. I, it wouldn't surprise me, but uh, they put a much tougher conference. I'll go Ohio State. I'm going to go with Ohio State, too. Uh, it's the most dominant team in college football today. The easy yeah. thing to say is whoever makes the SEC championship game, because if it's Alabama or Georgia, you know both or one of those teams is getting yeah. in. But Ohio State is operating on a level that is really impressive because they do not have their full complement of weapons. Jackson Smith and Jigba's been out. Mayan Williams has been out. Travion Henderson's been out. Julian Fleming's been out. And yet and still, they've been rolling people up. Uh, we're in agreement on that. The Ohio State Buckeyes going into the second half of the season are Jeff and Mize picked to make yeah. the college football playoff. All right, that is going to do it. For tonight's college football on Fox Preview Week 7, presented to you by Wendy's. For Jeff Schwartz, the fine folks at Fox Sports, the fine folks at Wendy's, I'm RJ Young. We will see y'all next Tuesday, same place, same time. Deuces.